All right, so these are done. Now, are you telling me that all four portals are right in here? Yeah. This shuffle is weird. Yeah, the monsters came uh, up at the same time, too. That is weird. I shuffled. It's a while. You, did you put the portals in there? Are we sure the portals are in there? <laughs> Boy, this would be real tough if we had no portals in there. Are you joking? Uh, do these look like the portals? Yes. Yeah, they sure do. Okay. Here you go. Shuffle those right in. Boy, <laughs> we really put it on hard mode our first time. <laughs> There's no way out of this game. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we wonder if we can get away with putting vanilla frosting on a hot dog in Crazy Cakes. Next up, we wonder if we're clever enough to escape a dungeonous labyrinth before being trapped forever in The Night Cage. And lastly, we wonder if it's better to jump up a level or knock someone else back a level in Bailiwick. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. It's game time. And Mike Grenier. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Our first game up this week is Crazy Cake. Designed by Reed Nickel, published by B Game Social. No number of players two to six, ages six and up. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of Crazy Cake, I was surprised to see, well, no cake, but an anthropomorphic <laughs> marshmallow that had been skewered, lit on fire, and perfectly content with its situation. Inside the box, we find 17 filling cards, 15 frosting cards, 20 cake cards, and if you want to spice things up, there's 16 sabotage cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we slice up this review, Evan, why don't you hit us with some sweet, sweet rules? Mmm. Crazy Cake is a card game in which the players are bakers looking to complete their three-tier cake using the highest value ingredients possible while also sabotaging their fellow <laughs> bakers' cakes. Bakers start with three cards in their hand. On their turn, the baker will draw one and play one. They can either play an ingredient, a sabotage action card, or discard an unwanted card. Use cake filling and frosting cards to complete your cake one ingredient at a time while using sabotage cards to trip up the other bakers. Play good ingredients on your cake and play the bad ingredients on their cakes. But be on the lookout for matching sets. They give extra points. The first one to finish their three-tier cake ends the game, but the baker with the most points wins, so be careful triggering that end game. And like the box says, sabotage never tasted so sweet. <laughs> This is basically a single box game, right? Easy. Pack it in your pocket. You know, throw it in your purse, throw it in your pocket, <laughs> <Yep>. and go. <laughs> play with the family wherever you're heading. Yep. And I think that it, it is cute enough for family play, too. I don't think there's anything too racy about the cute little ingredients. About baking a cake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be. What did you guys think of the art? The art is very, um, very humorous. It's cartoon style with uh, little quotes and funny things going on with these. Well, generally, anthropomorphic, uh, say, bacon. Mm, bacon. <laughs> anthropomorphic bacon, yum. Yeah. It makes me want to eat it less, though, when it has a face. I don't know. <laughs> that is true. 
Yeah, I, I would say the humor is pretty good on these cards. Oh, yeah. Each card is kind of an ingredient, right? And like one of the ingredients is tofu. And at the bottom of the tofu card, it says, Nama not tasty. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, they went for some puns. They went for some like happy hot dog and mushy peaches, you know. I appreciated that the food didn't look too food-like because I don't really <laughs> like games that make me hungry. <laughs> yeah, even though this game is about cake, the food went more for humor than for realism. Like the ice cream says, ice cream for brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of how the set collecting went in this game? I mean, it's, it's neat. You're trying to pick up you know, sets of things that work together and sometimes uh, somebody is quote-unquote, helping you with an ingredient that's not really that great. Uh, Ed, how does um potato and octopus sound? Ooh. <laughs> it sounds better than German chocolate I was going to do octopus. it over there on this tofu, actually. But but I know that Evan now has a minus seven in his hand. Uh. <laughs> Ed might have something equally terrible. I, I thought there was a cool part of the mechanic, though, where you'll have a terrible food like hot dog, which usually doesn't go on a cake. But it pairs up with usually? something. Yeah, usually. Well, in this case, sometimes it does because you'll pair it up with something like ketchup or chips or something like that. And it'll actually make it into an interesting cake. Yeah, I almost bought a bacon and maple donut today. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, you should have. Delicious. <laughs> what do you mean almost? Yeah, what happened? How, how did you not? I was genuinely scared. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be afraid of with that combination. Yeah, I've, been, I've been seeing some interesting well, cupcakes and uh, donuts and stuff like that now, too. They're, they're, the confectioners are going wild. Yep. And it's all because of this game. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to yeah, think right. so. Yeah, right. They like to think that. <laughs> and it's about points. So that hot dog, yeah, that's minus four points in your cake if you wind up having to count it. However, if you do couple it with some of those other ingredients like Mike talked about, ketchup, chips, and other things, it winds up being plus six. So a big swing there if you can grab all the negative cards that go along with that particular ingredient. Yeah, sometimes somebody thinks they're hurting you, and all of a sudden you come up with a huge point swing. Yeah, thank you for that hot dog. I had potato chips to go with that. Ha ha. I had no idea where I was going to use them, and now I have a perfect <laughs> cake just for this ingredient. So don't throw anything away. What did you guys think of the sabotage elements? Did it work well? Yes, almost too well. <laughs> they work well. They, 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 of course, you no. Know, any type of take that game, it's fun to go ha ha. The enemy change things up. You're obviously leader. Let's take them down. But it can also drag out the game a little bit sometimes. Is the balance okay with it? Does it make you too much of a target? Well, I mean, being the leader makes you a target more than anything else. And and those sabotage cards, especially when they swap a card, like I'll give you my bad card and take your best card, swings hard. Yes, it does. I think it does balance out in the end, though, because you do have control over when, well, some control over when the game ends. It's a balance between having enough points in front of you and being able to control when the game ends and you can see every, what everyone else has in front of them with waiting for that perfect hand or getting rid of every bad card that you happen to have either in your hand or out in front of you. So you have to, timing. The timing of this game um, comes into play and you have to make a smart play and that winds up ending the game very quickly because as soon as you play that ninth card, you build your third cake, thir three tiers on your third cake, the game ends. That's it. Count your points. You're done. Yeah, and somebody else might end it for you. Like He's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to wait to finish this take, and nope, I'm going to throw this negative point on your cake. 
finish it for you in this way and the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's dangerous to have only one thing left to put on your cakes because that could happen where you think, I'm about to win, I'm about to slap this seven-point card on top of my last spot that I need, and then all of a sudden Ed says, let me, let me help you out a little bit with that. Ready the fridge. Oh, boy. Draw three extra cards from the draw pile. <laughs> nice. Wow. Play one and discard the other two. Yeah, okay, so, so that's a separate hand. Yep. Separate hand, Ed. Yeah, don't, it, don't Ed. mix it with your other hand, Keep it Ed. separate, Ed. Is it separate? Why are you shopping, Ed? I don't like the way you shop. Careful. Don't do that. It's I don't like how you're looking at your cards. Broccoli, it kind of went... Stop! Stop! Ruthless. Slorp, slorp, slorp. <laughs> I was in a position in which the only I could not get cake cards for some reason. They were avoiding me. I finally got one, but it was a 0.1. But I was so desperate to get other ingredients out, I threw out the zero-point cake and built up my filling and my icing on top of it, just so I wouldn't have a whole blank tear staring there in front of me. I hate that. Yeah, that's part of the randomness of the game. It's the uh, you know trying to get the right ingredient. If you don't have the right one, doesn't come up on your turn. It kind of like ah, I just mm-hmm. need something in order to even start. Ah, yep. And you need to get them in the right order, too. So if you start off with a handful of uh, fillings or, or icings and have no cakes, you have nothing really you can play on your own board. Right. Any game like that, though, where at least there's only three elements in the mm-hmm. deck. And, well, not counting the sabotage, but there's three elements in the deck. So it doesn't take too long for you to get what you need. But, but you know, one or two rounds can make the difference. And be ready for some swings, folks. If you can't take the swings, not the game. <laughs> Stay out of the kitchen. Can't take the swings. <laughs> ah, <laughs> very good. Very good. And the one thing I would say I had a tricky time with was um, figuring out the layout of my own tableau, meaning how the cakes were laid out in tiers. I was a little bit confused about that at the beginning. So I would say that's the trickiest part of the game. Just learn how to lay the, out the cakes so you understand what you're actually cooking. Yeah, you have to stack them in a certain way, too. It's not like I thought I would just put the cake on the bottom and then the next filling on top of that and the topping on top of that. But you actually lay them out the opposite way with the points facing up to the top of the card. Yeah, well, if you have them all at the top and you'll play them down, as it were, you can see all the points in the names. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But they did have not too much stuff on the card. The flavor text was very distinct from the meaning of the card. Ah, flavor text. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was an accidental <laughs> pun. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Crazy Cake. Ed? The art is cute, the humor is fun, but the game is just a bit light for my taste, and I fear the take that element could drag the game past its welcome point. But there's plenty of folks here to love this type of game. I'm just not one of them. So unfortunately, I have to bury the cake. Mike, the risky pairing mechanic uh, where you had some bad ingredients that can turn good was wasn't novel, but it was really good fit for this game. Um, aside from that, though, there wasn't a whole lot of meat on this bone, so I have to bury it. Evan, Crazy Cake is a quick, lighthearted, I'll call it a backstab game, but it's a family game at the same time. But be sure you're playing with folks and family who don't mind the sabotage aspect of the game. I thought it was fine. Bake it up. <laughs> I really appreciated the genuinely funny art that didn't look too much like food. So I think it's a worthy addition to food-based shenanigan board games. I'm definitely going to dig it up. (laughs) What is the craziest cake you ate? Let us know. We are at Wish Game First on social media. 
Hey, everybody, we just want to take a quick minute to thank our patrons and say welcome to our new ones and announce something really fun. Evan, what's the new thing we're doing for patrons? For patrons, we are live recording our special episode, our special podcast just for you of <gasps> bonus points. Bonus points just for you live. You can now watch us make the sausage. (laughs) (laughs) Or Or listen to us us make the sausage, as it were. Yeah. You're keeping us on our best behavior, guys. Thank you. (laughs) If you become a patron, you can get access to it through our Discord channel that is patron only. And Mm -hmm. uh, you can find out more about that by going to our website and clicking on become a patron today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. It will be family friendly, we promise. Yes. Our next game up this week is The Night Cage. Designed by Christopher Ryan Chan, Chris McMahon, and Roswell Saunders. Published by Smirk and Laughter Games in 2021. Number of players 1 to 5, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 50 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the spooky box. The cover of the box shows a weathered hand stretched overhead, desperately gripping a melting candle as its light strains and wanes against the oppressive, encroaching darkness. When we pry open the box, we find a 20 by 20 game board, five player status cards, 100 labyrinth tiles, five key tokens, five prisoner tokens, ten nerve tokens, and an ominous three-dimensional tile-holding tower. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we creep our way through this dark, dank review, Evan, shine your candlelight on the rules. Uh, the the night cage is a cooperative tiling game. <laughs> Where you and your fellow prisoners must crawl around a dark dungeon to find your escape. Equipped with nothing but dim candles, each player must work together to explore the maze and escape. Unfortunately, the weak candlelight only illuminates your immediate surroundings. Due to the limited light of the candles, players can only see the tiles immediately adjacent to them. As players move, the tiles they leave behind disappear into the darkness. In this way, the maze is continually made and unmade by the players. Worse still, yes it gets worse, (laughs) something else is moving in the dark maze and it's not friendly. Beware the monsters that can snuff out your candles as well as your life. To win, players must rely on teamwork and collective strategy to collect four keys, find an exit gate, and escape the labyrinth together. Get out of the night cage. (laughs) If you can. can. (laughs) By the way, I give our spooky bit like a C plus. I thought my spooky bit was fine. Yeah, fine. A C plus. (laughs) <laughs> we don't have the right atmosphere here, okay? We had we have to have the room dimmed and, you know, candles. Speaking of needing atmosphere, this game screams out for mood lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it Absolutely. does. I mean, you, you should be playing this in a dark room using only a little bit of candlelight and the, the, the motif of the art itself supports that. Everything is, you know, kind of grimdark, but just like line art and creepy. 
And if you go to Which Game First, a board game podcast at our Instagram page, you can see some shots of us playing the game in the dark. I really feel like the pieces, the white parts of the pieces should actually be like glow in the dark coated. That would be awesome. Then you can play Ooh. it real dark in the room. If you did it under like a blue light. Ooh, like a black, black light. Yeah, a black yeah. light might actually do it. Oh, yeah. It's just so stark that it's just black and white and shades of gray. Like the whole game's like color scheme really supports that kind of lighting. Yeah, the only thing that's yellow is the candlelight, and everything else is black and white. And uh, I loved the candle prop that you put the tiles in because it simulated the candle burning down. Oh, it's so clever. Because when that candle runs out, or the tiles run out, as it were, the game is over, man. Game over. It's your game timer as well. Mm -hmm. Very, very well designed. Yeah. Smirk and Laughter and Smirk and Dagger tend to have a cool, like cool props are kind of their Mm -hmm. thing. They mm-hmm. have gimmick props like that are fairly popular among their games. And, and I have to say, pretty interesting. They do some unique stuff with them. I would not have thought of this to do it this way. Yeah. So, I mean, immediately when I saw what, what it was they were doing, I was very impressed. Like, oh, I wish I had that idea. Kurt, well, Kurt's been doing this for a long time, and he is a, a graphic designer as well. Um, also, mm-hmm. he has a lot of playtesting that he does, like, locally in Connecticut. So... I've seen him take people's suggestions and like integrate them in too. So he gets a lot of feedback that he that he really takes to heart to make these games look awesome. And I like how in the Kickstarter version it comes with these little electric candles. That's a nice little touch for a Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> flickering like uh, yeah, LED tea candles, candles yeah. right? <laughs> At first, I thought you were supposed to put the tea candle in the candle prop. Oh, yes, <laughs> and use it to hold above the board to see. <laughs> Comes with brass brass candle holders, like from the 1800s, you know, with the finger ring, <laughs> the old school <laughs> ones. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. The game comes with metal keys, and then people painted them. And I like how the movement pieces for the board, each person gets their own piece, are different shaped candles. Yeah. Different mm-hmm. height, too, like more and more burned out. For <laughs> <laughs> They are colored, but they're also... Um, colorblind friendly because they're all different shapes and some extra money went into that manufacturing that's for certain (laughs) the the art kind of has this almost like aztec slash cthulhu feel to it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah good description mike yeah it does have like that ancient evil feel yeah mm-hmm Right, like the, there's this one that's just a mouth and looks like a vortex with a mouth in the middle and a bunch of hands kind of swirling around it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's called, that particular monster is called Wax Eaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Okay, so this Creepy. game comes with a digital app to help you learn. What did you guys think of that? I thought it was pretty neat. I played with it uh, after we played the game a little bit to see what it involved. It has like a digital version of the rules that you can look at on your phone and then it has a tutorial you can kind of step through and learn the steps of the game i'm a huge fan of being able to learn as you play rather than having to sit through a long slog of rules yeah and the app is supposed to be able to do that where you learn right as you play the game hey you know what else is helpful 
It's when you put all the tiles in the oh. tile holder that you're supposed to, <laughs> yeah, that would... supposed to put in instead of leaving a few, you know, important ones yeah. out like the uh, exits. exits. Yeah. <laughs> we accidentally left the exits out until like three quarters of the way through the game. We're like, where is there an exit? <laughs> oh, you mean the exit here that we left that aside? Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, that, that might be one drawback of all the tiles being similar in color and, yeah. and stuff. No. Yeah, so it did actually take a little bit to separate out the appropriate tiles. Um, yeah, and there's different mm-hmm. there's different levels of gameplay too, so you don't always use all the different tiles in each different version of the game. Uh, and for number of players, and, uh, yeah, I believe adjusts, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we only saw the most basic monster, but man, it was terrible running into that thing. I know. There are advanced monsters too, especially when everybody's all lined up together. Cause you you kind of want to bunch up together in order to you no know, not lose each other's lights and not uh, you know get close to the same gate. We have to get together, you know, find the keys and get together. But when we're close together like that, the wacky eater can hit everybody and like ah yeah, and you can't <laughs> leave until everybody is able to leave. So sometimes somebody gets stuck standing there just holding their candle next to where the exit's going to be and hoping that when somebody approaches, it doesn't light up a tile that's bad for both of them. So interesting aspects to the co-op nature of this game. People really are stuck kind of doing what they must <laughs> yeah, rather than doing what they would like to. Yeah, that happens for sure. And And everything attacks your light too. It's not just like, you know, your health, but it's putting your candle out. So instead of seeing which direction you want to take for your next move, you just got to take a move to an available direction and hope it's not something terrible. You know? Hope for the best because you can't <laughs> see where you're going anymore. <laughs> yep. It's creepy. Very creepy because of that. So, Ed, uh, was it always clear what happens when you encounter a monster? The thing is, it was deceptively simple. It's like, okay, a monster revealed. I'm like, okay, does it attack me? It's like right next to me. Uh, no, it doesn't attack you. Huh, okay. It, it'll attack you when some, it detects movement. But you showing up there, it's not the movement. Because it, it wasn't there yet, you know, as it were. So that's why like, I had to read it a couple times just to make sure that I understood it. Yeah. Like, oh, it'll attack as soon as it sees movement. But it only sees movement when it's on the board. Yeah, when you move. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it was, right. yeah, it was simple. We're too used to D&D rules where every single monster has like a page and a half of its own personal rules. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, I had to read it twice to make sure that like, is that it? <laughs> um, did we use all our nerve tokens in the process? Uh, so nerve lets you like move a little extra space or, or resist some damage from being hit. You get more nerve by like, I think standing still sometimes it, it, yes. it eats up some tiles. You can bu- gather up your nerve by skipping a turn, as it were. Yeah. But everything eats those tiles out of the uh, out of the burns thing, down so. the candle. Mm-hmm. So don't think you can just stand around and wait for your friends to show up. It's still going to cost you. <laughs> so we were, in a way, sort of nonchalantly pulling tiles out as you begin and you go. But as you watch that pile dwindle, you're like. Oh, and your strategy <laughs> tightens yep. and you become much more, you know, in a way paranoid, but not in a way uh, um, aware of the limited resources you have left to get out of here. It's like, oh, my gosh, our choices are really dwindling before our yeah, eyes. It really puts that like pressure and a little bit of fear into you, like, you know, that you might not make it towards the end. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury <laughs> the night cage. Evan? The Night Cage was a fun co-op with a very dark theme, but it actually helps draw the players together. The idea of having only a weak candle flame in an otherwise pitch black 
dungeon to me is a terrifying thought. And theme definitely informs play. Dig it up. Can we turn the lights on now, please? Mike? The Night Cage was a creepy, weird, and oppressive co-op. The art and the play really enhanced the theme, and I thought it was spooktacular. Dig it up. Ed? This cooperative tile-laying puzzle invokes a strong theme, and I'll dig this up for another creepy crawl through the maze. (laughs) Yes, this game is a moody good time for all. That is paced to not outstay its welcome. We get out just in time, or we don't. (laughs) So I am definitely digging it up. I just don't know what else is going to be dug up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Danger. While you get out before the candle burns out, let us know on which game first. Our last game up this week is Bailiwick, designed by Kimberly Coker, published by Bailiwick Enterprises in 1994. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 10 and up. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the not-so-scary box. (laughs) The box shows us exactly what board we're about to find inside. While taking <laughs> while taking a moment to show us a gold seal from a mysterious award they must have acquired at some point. <laughs> I love those mysterious awards. <laughs> the Awesome Game Association gives it two thumbs up. <laughs> Inside, there's a board, 16 tokens, and two standard six-sided dice. And that's what's in the box. Before we find out if this game would be in your bailiwick, let's enter Evan's sphere of operations. The rules reading. Bailiwick is a Ludo-style game where players zigzag their tokens forward and backward around the rings of a game board while racing to the center. The kaleidoscopic game board is a tricky maze, that's for sure, (laughs) where you must be on guard because with the roll of the dice and the movement of a token, the whole game can quickly shift. The challenge of Bailiwick is to wind your way through the four rings, moving your triangular tokens either forward in a counterclockwise way around the board, those are the colored spaces, or backwards clockwise on the white spaces and then maneuvering them onto the stepping stones. That's where you advance upward. You try to be the first player to get all your four of your tokens, all of them to the matching bailiwick space of your color, to declare yourself the winner of this dizzying experience. <laughs> and I think that's putting it lightly. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I love, I love your description of the box. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is just a picture of the game board. Like you could literally just play on the box. It's like the same exact thing. <laughs> I do want to take a second to say the Parents' Choice Award is legit. It does okay. exist. All right. <laughs> okay. But I mean, you know, how many of these gold seals have we seen on a game, especially an older game? That's just like, you know, like Friends' Friends Choice Award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless the Bailiwick Company had an elaborate scheme going since 1978, the Parents' Choice Award is real. Um, yeah. And they do have their own website, parentschoice.org, and they do actually award 
outstanding children's products is what how susceptible are they to bribes though i mean could you go in there with like a mcdonald's coupon book for halloween coupon book and like say (laughs) well let's review this thing and then you'll know if we if this was a sham let's find out if parents choice it can be trusted or is bananas (laughs) right (laughs) all right so evan you seem very eager to start this out so why don't you hit us with your impressions here you know, for those of you who are subject to seizures of seeing things on television screens or computer screens, all right, beware before you open this box and look at this board. <laughs> it is seizure-inducing to me. Yeah. But Evan, it has your favorite color palette on it. The primary oh. colors. <laughs> the primary colors and black. <laughs> and, the ne- and white is sort of the negative space mm-hmm, in this game, mm-hmm, if, yep. you can, if you can. But it's not just the negative space, the actual space is too, just to confuse you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, well, to me, the real confusion, well, no, there's multiple reasons why it's confusing. Very this is easy. One. It's, I know. It's, yeah. two. it's a, a non game. It feels like we're going to stay in our four. zone for the most part. They said it gets crazy up here. It might. Uh, yeah, that's it true. Might. You are it close might. to a lot of people there. That was my two, four. Ed. <laughs> Six and three. <laughs> It's, it's not terrible. exactly hunched over the table. Enthusiasm <laughs> is wrong. And he's racked with decision making like, angst. Like, oh, this is a chore to have to roll these dice for this game. <laughs> so you're supposed to move one to the right on the colors and to the left on the white spaces, but like, but they're they're bisected squares, sort of. Um, yeah. Which that angle <laughs> does not help you to decide which way to go. Like it, it makes mm-hmm. it more confusing, especially because on every quarter of the board, the angle of those sl- slashes changes. Yes, Mike. But wait a minute. There's a very, very helpful direction finder <laughs> in a barely visible uh, silver tone arrow about the size of of a third of your fingernail uh, <laughs> on, on 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 a couple on a of the spaces. Why couldn't you just you know use that as your guide as to which direction to go? Because nobody sees it. That's why. It's even worse if you see it because the arrow. Since the the space is diagonally bisected, the arrow points to the white space next to it, or the colored space next to it. But yeah, or yeah, well, you can't. It points in that direction, but it's on the color space. But the next space that you see is the white space. They put two different shaped triangles on this board. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. for movement. And just to make it even more confusion. You capture on a diagonal across from the intersection. Yeah. Yeah. So now they tell you you can capture on the bow tie shape. (laughs) The bow tie shape is the the name of the shape. And you're like, wait, they're different shaped triangles. Are they different bow ties? Yeah. Like what kind of bow tie is this? Is this a weird bow tie that I'm at? I, I don't know. If you how the rules read, and I'm sorry, Bailiwick Enterprises, um, (laughs) someone should have maybe addressed these rules. The rules read that wherever a colored triangle meets a (laughs) meets the intersection or the same shares the same point as a white triangle at Uh. at its tip creates a what is called a bow tie. 
Mm-hmm. But that is a terrible description on, on how to enact that rule. Now, the point of being a bow tie is if I, I have a piece in one and a half of the bow tie, Celeste rolls, she moves her piece to the, uh, to the other side of the bow tie, I have to go back home. Mm-hmm. So it's basically sorry, you know, when your piece gets captured yeah. and you get it's sent back home. all Ludo so. games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But that's the bow tie rule. But it's this board with 12 different shaped triangles and anything can be construed almost a triangle and they meet. And Evan as a bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> Any two touching pieces, right? Any two exactly. triangles. Yeah. And okay, you're given 2d6 to roll and, and you're allowed to either... Use one die to roll one piece, one of your pieces, the other die to roll the other, or you can combine them using one for one piece. So my three and a four becomes a seven. I can move one piece seven. You also have the option of moving part of the part of the way in one direction, then moving up to the white ones and then heading back in the other direction. The point being is that it's almost impossible to not capture someone in this, <laughs> yeah, in this game. Yeah. You're given so many movement options and numbers and ways to break up your role and shift mm-hmm. the direction that you're going. I mean, this, this thing is like playing tag with four people in a 12 foot by 12 foot room. It's crazy. Uh... And then Where do I need to go? Blue, right? Yep. Two, three, boom. That makes sense. Yeah, yep. that's it's unfortunate for me. That's why it's tough hanging out in the yeah. upper rings. You get clobbered. Now three, correct? You can now just move three. into the bailey with yep. that, right? Yes, you boom, can. Boom. Odd number gets you in. Whoa, you are accelerating. Bingo. Celeste. I worked hard. We may need to play this game twice. Yeah. Okay, that's all. I'm I was up all last night reading strategy guides for this. Strategy guides. I was, yeah, I was on the Put FAQs. Put your on the board and, uh, and move them. Two, three. <laughs> Get them close one, to the belly wick. <laughs> Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Very good. Uh, uh, Get odds and even numbers. <laughs> Mix it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you roll we nothing should, but We should write strategy guides, strategy guides? For, for games that cannot possibly have strategy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and the closer you get to the center where your piece is going to like be safe, the the more claustrophobic it exactly, is. Exactly, the easier it is to knock somebody out from there. So, this game could go on for an eternity because of that. <laughs> and that's why the playing time is not listed. Right. Indefinite. Eternal. Yeah. Yes, right. Oh, you didn't see the infinity symbol there. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> no, you know why? Because it was light silver on white, just like the arrows. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. So my thinking here is that some marketing genius was like, let's get on the Trivial Pursuit success bandwagon like so many oh. other games did and make a circular board. So even though they're making a Ludo game, which, yes, would be nearly impossible to make work well on a circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. they, like this. They so. attempted it. Yeah, it's, it's a little kaleidoscopic, though. It's a kind of distracting just how the colors are shifting on you. Like, Ugh. Oh, yeah. The mix of where they're placing these primary colors on the board. Oh, well, that's because they cared about, and I mean, this is going to sound weird, but they cared about the aesthetic more than the actual functionality of this board. So they thought that was clever, the way they mixed the colors together like that and made them all cool triangles in this circle shape. But it doesn't work. Red lines, red rows, red columns next to blue, yellow oh. triangles. I mean, it's all over the place. Ugh. 
I hate it so much. The more I look at this board, the more I hate it. And just to add it, let's put some lightning bolts on the corners. (laughs) (laughs) Something had to fill the otherwise blank space, but the word bailiwick four times. Why not? I mean, it does indicate what player starts there, but it doesn't really like help that the blue player starts with yellow spaces in front of them. And the red player starts with blue spaces in front of them. It's just weird. So I bought this game used, clearly. I, Not heavily used. <laughs> no, no, I picked it up. No, I picked it up at a... Uh, thrift store? At a uh, Yeah, at a thrift store. I did. It was four bucks, I think. Mm-hmm. And when I picked it up, I'm like, oh, you know, okay. I saw the design. I'm like, oh, all right. Then I saw that I opened it up to make sure the pieces were there because you can do that in the thrift store. You can't do that online. <laughs> and I saw that the, the actual pieces you're moving around, you're... Your player pieces have these uh, metal par- metal parts of the corners of your triangle pieces. So your 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 pieces that you're moving are the same shape as the triangles, basically. Uh, but they have metal corners. And I'm like, oh, cool. I thought they were magnets, and I thought the board might be magnet. I'm like, oh, that's I kind of like that. Then it turns out I get the damn thing home. No, this thing's not magnet <laughs> at all. In fact, those things are supposed to be face up. Those metal corners, not face down. Right. And, just, and it, just to it, make you the, know. the pieces look a little more confusing with yet more th- uh, triangles Triangle. on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's triangles on a triangle. And they match yep. the exact color of the board spaces. So your yellow piece with, with black triangles on top of the yellow triangle next to the black triangle. <laughs> so unnecessary. It, yeah. You're absolutely right. It makes the pe- the moving pieces more confusing. Yeah. And the, actually, the black pieces match the black space with the black corners. So it's if there's a, the black it's pieces a, on a black space, it just goes invisible on you. It, it goes into a vortex. <laughs> yeah. It puts on its cloaking device. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, explorers, it is time to dig up or bury Bailiwick. Let's hear it, Mike. It's um, Ludo, but more confusing. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the attempt at trying to put a twist on Ludo, but it just didn't do it for me. Bury it. Ed? For a Ludo-style game, it has a couple of attempts of interesting features, but there isn't enough here to recommend this, so I'm going to bury it. That was generous. Evan? Bailiwick. It's... Kind of like sorry with dice instead of cards. And I'm not sure which is better. There's no strategy in this game. The movement rules are unconventional, difficult to follow. It's a time burn. I got no dopamine release from this. Consider it buried. Okay, yeah. I mean, from the confusing primary color palette to the confusing shape-on-shape pieces (laughs) to the confusing movement of the race elements very little about this game captures the imagination you're just too busy trying to figure out what's happening so i'm gonna bury it bye bye bailiwick is ludo in your gaming bailiwick let us know we are at which game first on social media And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing from you about all the gaming you're doing. Give us a shout out, guys. Anywhere. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Discord. Find us on Facebook. We're everywhere. And we would love to know what's going on with you. If you'd like more from us, become a patron and you will get our exclusive patron-only podcast. Bonus Bonus points. Bonus points. (laughs) Now going live. Yeah. live. We'll see you there, guys, and happy gaming, explorers. 
I see triangles everywhere. Your candle goes out. You're likely to be eaten by a groove.